I noticed that most people, as I mentioned in the very beginning, are not okay with feeling pain. I just want to really address this. So when you feel into the amygdala, the amygdala, of, of course, avoids pain and chase pleasure. And that's what we did as the animal brain and, and still does. But if we avoid pain, we are missing out on probably some of the most amazing learning and growth opportunities that are there. Are you looking to unlock the power within you for personal growth, health, and transformation? In this episode, we will dive into why calorie deficit may not be the ultimate solution for shedding pounds and learn how to harness the power of quantum physics for personal transformation. Don't miss my conversation with Dr. Cody Goldman. I know you're going to love it. Welcome back, athletes. I'm your host, Sherry Shaban, and with each episode, I'm honored to be your coach and guide in the journey to fall in love with fitness and ultimately with yourself. My intention in each episode is to help you release the old story of who you are and step into the one you are always meant to be. Through these conversations, together we will step away from focusing on the doing and step into the being so that health and fitness is not just what you do, but who you are. Dr. Cody Goldman shares his journey today from being a tank commander in the military to becoming a quantum life and health coach. He explains how his own health issues led him to explore natural health and the limitations of traditional medicine. Dr. Coleman discusses the principles of quantum physics and how they relate to our lives and health. He emphasized the importance of understanding the concept of charge and how it affects our reality. He introduces the concept of quantum coaching, which involves becoming aware of our own criticisms and judgments and how they shape our reality. He also discusses the role of emotions and energy in weight loss and the importance of addressing emotional trauma in achieving optimal health. All right, athletes, we're just about to dive into it, but I want to remind you super quickly that there's still a few spots open for you to join me in Transformation in Paradise, Costa Rica this November, November 25 to December 2nd, where we will be releasing self-sabotaging habits and addictive behaviors that have been keeping us from becoming the highest version of ourselves. So if this sounds like something you'd like to be a part of, you can head on over to sherryshaban.com forward slash retreats to learn more and reserve your spot today. So I've just recently opened up a few more and they will not be available for that much longer. So this is really something that you'd like to participate in and be a part of and you still have some questions, make sure to reach out soon. And by the way, if you rate and review this podcast today on iTunes and send over the screenshot to sherry at sherryshaban.com, you'll receive a 10% off voucher to join me in Transformation in Paradise this November in Costa Rica at the Blue Osa. All right, athletes, now let's meet Dr. Cody. Hi, Cody. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited for you to be here and super excited to geek out on the topics we're just about to dive into. And so you are a quantum life and health coach. I don't think I've heard this term. So quantum health coach and, and quantum life coach. So, so maybe before we begin, we'll have you introduce who you are and maybe share what that means. And we'll get into why as well you got into the space wanting to help people in the way that you do. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to. So, you know, I was at 17, I joined the military. By 19, I was a tank commander and I had some pretty severe illnesses and injuries that led me to doctor's offices. I had my hands were, I was losing feeling. I had asthmas and allergies. There was a point where I started having heart problems. And my experiences going to the medical doctor, I didn't know anything about health, but I went to cardiovascular specialists and nerve specialists. And like most people have experienced, they didn't find anything, but they sure gave me a pill. 
Now, I didn't know why I should take a pill or not take a pill, but it intuitively didn't feel right like a lot of people feel. He goes, something just doesn't feel right. And my mom you know, had referred me and said, your great-grandfather was a World War II veteran. You should go to a chiropractor. And so at the time, I said, I don't want to see a real doctor. I don't want to see a, a fake doctor. Huh. But I went anyway because no one else was doing anything. And he said, you've got a pinched nerve in your neck. And I said, that's, that's not true. I'm sure I already saw a neurologist. And he said, neurologists don't look for that. I'm like, come on, that's not true. He did an adjustment with me. An electric shock shot down my arm and hand. And after it was between three to six months, I had various numbness, numbness in my hands and started losing strength where I couldn't actually lift these 100-pound bullets into the tank when we were doing three a minute doing this. So so eventually, I, I just was that moment happened. I was like, oh, my God. I saw him for a few more months, and my heart condition went away. My lungs, my asthma after wow. I was 12 years old went away. So I said, okay, I'm going to be a chiropractor. And, and that's what really initiated me into moving towards natural health and, and the hypnosis of our healthcare system right now. So that's what got me started. And that's what got me going. In chiropractic school, I was exposed to a work called concept therapy. And if someone looks that up, they won't find much there. It, the Institute is still there, but the guy developed this work in 1930. Oh, wow. And he had a seven day enlightenment where he didn't eat, sleep or drink and had these cognitions. He spent the next 30 years trying to teach people what he learned in those seven days. And that's where I first learned in my early, I was basically 21, quantum physics and metaphysics. And and that's, yeah, that's how the thing got wired in. So I had combined for years quantum physics. To say I was a chiropractor just probably is kind of a downplay because it's the influence of our energy and our subconscious mind amongst someone else, really. The chiropractic was just a, a way to deliver it, right? Yeah. Right. So powerful. I love this. Okay, so let's expand on this because someone's probably listening and saying, well, what do you mean about quantum physics and how is quantum physics relatable to chiropractor and how do you even integrate that as a form of treatment? Right, right. So, you know, since then, you know, I had sold my office seven years ago. And so the reason being is a message from source intelligence to start helping people in a much greater way. And so that's kind of how I moved into this into this whole weight loss space. When we look at quantum, quantum really means the smallest unit of energy that you can you can perceive or measure. Now, there may be smaller things, it's just what we're able to perceive. And most people know that, you know, they understand the the old atom atomic model of atoms and and then we know atoms are made of subatomic particles. What many people may not know is there's uh, the the theories of, of what particles actually are. We're finding that the thing that makes up you and me, and I know, as you know, Sherry, are mostly empty space. Yeah. So it's 99.9999% empty space. So we are most empty space. So what the hell are we? Mm-hmm. And this is where it gets really interesting because... This is not this is not hooey fooey out there spiritual stuff. This is we know the this is this is old information, but it really hasn't been incorporated into our lives, I think. So that's what I love doing. So wave particle duality means that that our lives and everything is energy, it's wavelengths, but things become very fixed. Our life becomes very fixed and and dense. Let's use the word dense when we add charge to it. So let me explain this. Charge is where we where we have a perception that something's good or something's bad. Both of those are an illusion. But the illusion of good and bad, positives and negatives, make up our reality. Mm-hmm. So our reality wouldn't exist if we didn't have the good and bad. But the challenge is 
that everything has equal good and bad. There is nothing in this universe that is more good than bad, more bad than good. That's challenging for most humans to grasp. An example would be for an American, 9-11. You go, I have people go, well, 9-11, Dr. Goldman, that's that's all bad. And they go, no, not if you're in that plane. And that's what you're, you're, you're literally following your mission from God. You were all good. And killing those people wasn't bad. You see, it's a matter of perspective. So the good and bad is just literally it doesn't exist. So here's why I say this. Quantum coaching, which is a coin that I actually termed, and we have a we have a quantum life mastermind that we actually coach people in. Quantum coaching is this level of awareness where when you look out into your reality, the things you have criticized, things you've criticized are the things you will eventually become. This is very important for people to hear. I hear I work with women and women go, men are all assholes. They're just jerks. Mm -hmm. Right. And they go, oh, shit. The more you literally label those men, the more you get it. So the whole secret law of attraction was all backwards. If you push down your negative, you push down negative and you think that you're all good. You're literally polarizing yourself to the negative. So this is where the little bit of quantum coaching comes in. Right. So good. Yeah. And I and I, I love I love how you explain that. So beautiful and actually a very different perspective than I would normally hear. So I appreciate that so much. But what's super interesting also about quantum physics, I think, and just this whole concept of it is the amount of control that we actually do have once we understand how it works. And and I don't think it's the law of attraction. I think actually, if we look look at it and boil it down, it really is the law of resonance because it's what we are sending out and we're receiving our match. And to your point, the more we avoid something or resist something or the more we don't want it and the more we criticize and the more we engage in negative self-talk, the more of that we make, the more of that we receive and that's also my approach as well to helping transform the physical body is just understanding that we are whatever we're going to say we are if i want to transform my health but the majority of my attention and focus is given on the fact that i'm not strong enough i'm not this enough i'm not that enough i need to change all these things i'm constantly criticizing deciding that everything is bad it doesn't look good then how can i shift into attracting more of the things that i actually do want and the actually the things that i am deserving of yeah. Yeah. If there's one thing that, you know, when we first started coaching people, one of the first things I do is help them to, to find hermetic principles. There was a Greek God named Hermes who was actually an Egyptian God named Thoth 5,000 years before, but the seven hermetic principles are what you're talking about. One of them is the law of resonance. So you have the law of polarity, which is what I was describing. Everything has equal positives and negatives. You have law of rhythm, law of polarity, law of gender. These things are so, so powerful to be used in people's lives. So basically, when I was talking about that, that positive negative charge, the, for years, I was like, probably like, you know, some of the listeners, I was really interested in manifesting and I was really also angry at it Mm -hmm. because I found the more I put attention on things I want, honestly, I didn't get it. Mm -hmm. And if you really talk to someone, if, if you wanted to just change your life, and if it just is a matter of changing your mind, just change your mind. But there's a little thing called emotions and energy that you have to address. It's not about just mind. And so it's interesting because the more charged, the more fixed, the more likes and dislikes a person has, the less able they are to change their reality. The more charged, the more dense reality becomes, the more you start to realize that the thing you hated has just as many benefits and drawbacks. You start realizing it actually starts to move into the quantum. In other words, it moves less from particle and more to wave. And then you have more ability to change or control, like you said. Wow, so good. So good. And that just brings up some thoughts in my mind just around emotions. 
And we label certain emotions as, as good emotions, the ones that we seek to always have. Like, I want to feel excited. I want to feel joyful. I want to feel happy. I want to feel special. I want to have all these, these feelings that are high vibration. And then we also then coin negative emotions as something bad that we want to avoid. So somebody passes away and there's, there's immense sadness and we want to avoid that. Or we have a traumatic event in our life and we want to avoid that. And again, we label that as bad. And so the goal is to move away from something that is painful or bad and then move towards something that's pleasurable, which is what is actually driving human behavior in general. Yes. And, you know, in, 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 of course, our, our weight loss company, this is, you just instrumental in the coaching. I think you and I talked about this, but mm -hmm. 80% of weight loss programs fail. And the reason I'm bringing this in is because of what you just said, what you're addressing is a part of the brain called the amygdala. And the amygdala is literally wired in from animals. So it is part of our brain that's been developing for millions of years. And the amygdala is, is there for survival, is there to avoid pain and chase pleasure. So what I find is, for example, sugar. Manufacturers and our food companies pump your and your family's food with sugar. Pump yogurt, beef jerky, cereal, the whole gamut. And sugar has an effect on the brain to release dopamine. Dopamine is the chemical that tells you you did something good. So you get rewarded every time you eat sugar. And then people wonder why, I don't know, I can't stop the sugar. So that's one of the first things we do is we, we get people off sugar. But the reason I bring this thing up is how do we get people off sugar? Well, actually, we have people deal with the emotions. I think you're going to really appreciate this. Yeah, I think I know what this uh, is I had, like. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I was three years ago, I started channeling. And I wasn't something I ever planned on doing. I started having a voice talk to me and actually wanted to show me how to move and move energy through, which I had never done before. I thought I did it, but I didn't. And what it showed me was what you just said. When frequencies come in you, immediately the two things happen. One, your mind gives it a story. Second, your heart, which we'll use the word heart, gives it a label of an emotion. Okay. So frequency comes in and you go, bad. This must mean I must have break up with somebody, whatever. It just, that's what happens immediately. Oh, I found that 99% of the time, that is completely false mm -hmm. because energy does not have any good or bad. There isn't a good or bad energy until right. a human refracts it, right? As you know. Okay. So this is why it's so important when, when I love doing this with, with people, when they first start our weight loss coaching program, about day three is when they go, Dr. Goldman, I really, I know I'm not going to do it, but I just really craving some sugar. And I go, fantastic. This is perfect. Mm -hmm. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to go sit on the couch and I want you to dive in the pain of not having. And they go, they've never done that before. Because like you said, our amygdala is avoiding pain. So I want you to actually go dive into the pain. They go, oh my God, that sounds scary. I've never done it. I'm like, yeah, but what happens when you do? So they actually will sit there and let the pain of it not having, they let it burn through as a certain process and let it burn. I call it burning through. At the end of that, it's weird. They go, Oh my God, I, I feel better. What just happened? And said, you're, you're literally listening to your animal brain. If you, if you listen to the pain, avoiding pain, chasing pleasure, you're literally acting like an animal. Now I'm not mm -hmm. knocking people for that right. because we all, we all act like animals. We have an animal part, <laughs> but, but this is the, the higher frontal lobe, the more advanced centers of our brain overriding the animal instinct. To me, that's conscious human evolution. So good. So good. So, so it seems that some of the methods that you use is also just around changing the perspective, right? If I start to view, let's say here, here in Montreal, I'm going to, I'm going to call out poutine. I don't know. Have you ever had poutine before or heard of it? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. We have that. 
All right, so if poutine for me is my favorite food, it's my most amazing food, and I, it's one thing I can never give up, I've also programmed my subconscious mind for this being something that I crave or I wanna to move towards for reward, especially if I will restrict occasionally or if I will actually set it up as a reward when I do something good, right? But if I instead shift my brain to have a new story around poutine that is more painful, something that does not resonate with my true values, then it becomes easier for me to release that and to give that as my favorite food simply because I've just reassigned a pain and pleasure point differently to poutine. Does mm. that resonate with you? Oh, certainly. I gotta say, okay, so this, let's go there with this. So there's the book book that we just wrote, and I'm not saying this to plug it, but it's because of what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, plug it, plug in. Well, well <laughs> the book's called Four Secrets to Healthy Weight Loss, okay? Now, the first three, Maybe we'll review in a moment, but are, are physically focused hormones and how to properly eat that stuff. The fourth secret is literally the title of the chapter is called the emotional rewire. And it's exactly what you're saying. Honestly, I think you would really appreciate this. We use a quantum physics technique. I spent 10 years understanding the subconscious mind, but there was something I was really, really missing. Okay. Mm -hmm. I learned to rewire my brain via inductive and deductive reasoning. I learned how to do it with both repetition and emotion, but there was something I was really missing. I truly never allowed myself to feel an emotion. Right. That's something I really, really want to, to point out because this process, what you just said, I found, and other, I've seen other people, if you make the process of rewind your brain a mental thing, it has very little impact without the emotions. The heart, so for me, I was Dr. Cody Goldman and I was changing my mind, but I wasn't letting myself actually feel truly mm -hmm. like I wasn't letting myself. If I go through a breakup, I was shoving my feelings of heartbreak yes. down and making myself feel good and go, you know what? It's all good. I'll meet another woman. I'll be happy. If you shove that shit down, it is whatever you repress will express in your life. So, so yes, I believe in what you said. And there's some other pieces that I, I had to put in to make sure it was complete. So good. So good. This reminds me a lot of, I also help women overcome binge eating, emotional eating, out of control eating, stress eating, all these things. And the program is called Make Peace with Food. And what we do is rewire the brain. And to your point, not just how we think, but more importantly, how we feel, because there has to be resonance between what we think about things and what we feel about things in order for us to be in integrity and then move towards that healing process. So I'm loving everything you are saying. And I think now's a good time also to maybe talk about dieting, because you kind of mentioned that earlier why most diets fail and why especially this idea that but if we eat less then that will be our pathway to releasing weight and most of us resort to that eat less and then of course well we know what the end result of that is don't we dr cody yeah right you and i really aligned on this so yeah this is really big so i discovered this in my chiropractic office i was helping people with severe illnesses i've had people heal, heal of cancers and all kinds of stuff but i saw patients doing these weight loss programs in, in america we have jenny craig and weight watchers and we have all these programs that are counting calories and what i find yeah th th let's let's go over that because i think this will really align let's go over the, the secrets okay so this is the, which the secrets are perfect the four secrets number one the first the first secret is deciding what kind of weight you want to lose because people go i want to lose weight but that's really a problem because you have you have fat and muscle and water okay so here's what happens um uh, let's say we were a, a, cave, a cave people and i just went and shot a deer and we ate a deer and we're really all full now the problem was we didn't have mcdonald's and safeway and grocery stores so we didn't know if we we're gonna get some food 
So your brain, our brains, so intelligent, they there's something called the anti-starvation mechanism, which I know you're familiar with. The anti-starvation mechanism says, if I don't get food, I'm going to store fat. But I want people to hear that. You're going to store fat if you don't get food. So what I find pretty often is I have a lot of consoles with people who are fat and starving themselves. This is honestly 99% of people. And they go, Dr. Golan, I eat vegetables and lettuce and salad and I eat gluten-free and I'm always free. And I fast. Oh my God, do I love fasting? And they go, you love fasting, but you're 30 pounds overweight. Why are you doing it? Well, it's because it's supposed to be so good for you. Why are you 30 pounds overweight, right? Because if if your brain knows you're not getting food and you store fat, your body knows you're going to be taking care of its survival. Why does the body store fat? Because fat is God's most amazing fuel source. That's why. It is double, yeah, double the energy content than a protein or carbohydrate, more than double. And fat is clean burning. So if you, if you compare it to like, you know, clean burning fuel versus a dirty fuel, what happens over time is when people are burning fat, their brain is on track, like they're sharp, their energy is up, their sleep is really good. So what I'm reason of saying this thing about the, the, the calorie reduction is really, if you reduce calories, you're going to make yourself fat. Now, I, I know it sounds funny. What happens is people starve themselves and they're so damn hungry, they jump into a bowl of pasta. Or they're so damn hungry, they jump into some sugar. That's what's really happening, and they're, they're calling it reducing calories. So when you reduce calories, yes, you will lose fat for a while. Sometimes I've seen anywhere from three to eleven days. But if you keep reducing your calories, you're eventually going to burn muscle. Your body will dig into protein storages, and you will feel like shit, which I find most people do feel really bad reducing calories. So yeah, right. Wow, that's so good. And I think even just just to maybe add one more layer to that. So we're reducing calories and we're trying to have the body release weight because of this caloric deficit, which hopefully is going to tap into our, our fat stores in the body. But of course that backfires because the body is wired for survival. So it's never gonna let you die, right? It's never gonna let you perish. And then on top of it, when we add a layer of exercise, so now we're restricting calories and we are doing intense exercise. Now the body's like, oh my God, there is a massive threat. Not only do we not have food and there is a true scarcity in the environment, but now we have to migrate to the next village and who knows what's going to happen. I don't know if I'll be safe there. I don't know if there's going to be resources for me there. And then the body further becomes resistant to releasing that fat. That was well said. I like that because it really, I think those those examples of, of being in the village and moving, it really, really helps people. You nailed it. This is one of the reasons that exercise, if you're already reducing calories, in my experience, I found exercise is, is honestly so unhelpful. You're basically putting yourself further over caloric burn. Right. So if you eat 1500 calories and you go exercise and now you've burned 2000, you're in a 500 caloric deficit. So just so people remember, when you're in a caloric deficit, you're going to trigger fat storage. You, your body will store fat. So that's why there's so many people that are so confused. And a lot of the programs here in America, and I know Canada too, are focused on caloric reduction. And really people I believe should be focused on is how much food does my body actually need? Most people, like for example, menstrual cycle. Most women don't realize you burn more calories during your menstrual cycle. You actually need more calories, right? So it's interesting to see that. So nice for a man to say that and to share that. Oh, that was so refreshing. <laughs> Listen, I have had more menstrual cycle conversations as a doctor than most women 
want to know. <laughs> so I totally, yeah, I appreciate it. I understand it. Good. And I think what's really important here also, if anybody's listening, is to really, I think, receive the message that it's not my fault. Because a lot of our intentions are good. We're, we're wanting to change our health. We went to the doctor's office. They told us that if we want to be healthy, we have to lose weight. And so now we're going to try reducing our calories. We're going to try exercising. And when that backfires or when we hit that plateau and then all of a sudden our body rebels against us and then we find ourselves putting that weight back on and maybe even more, I just want to point out that it's not our fault. It is not because we are lacking discipline or motivation or we're not committed enough, but because of exactly what you're sharing today with us, Dr. Cody, is that the body is not going to allow you to do that because simply of that survival mechanism that is innate within it. Boy, I couldn't agree more. And let me share something to really drive that point home. Yeah. This is something that occurred in America, but I believe it affected most of the world. In 1960, anyone can Google this, okay? Mm -hmm. 1960, Harvard researchers, so Harvard is a big medical school here, very prestigious, and they promote and they are leaders in the medical community for research. Harvard researchers were trying to figure out why so many people in America in the 60s were having more heart problems, more cardiovascular problems. So they did a study. They studied fat and sugar to see which was the culprit, okay? Well, what happened was they, the research showed that that sugar was making people fat. But that's not what the article said in the American, in our, in our medical journals. Here's what happened. A company called the Sugar Foundation paid some of our most prestigious researchers to falsify evidence. Okay. And what happened was look this up. It was in 1990. Basically, a researcher was in the basement of Harvard Medical School and they found the paper showing where they falsified this. So here's why this is important. Oh. When, yeah, exactly. In, in the 1960s, this is when the low fat craze started. So when you say it's not your fault, you're right. I want people to hear this. When you see low fat on the front of your food, I want you to run the other direction, okay? Fat was, again, most incredible fuel source. What did they replace foods with when they removed the fat? Sugar. Absolutely. So yes, and so this is why people honestly have been hypnotized to think that you need to have low calorie, which is another, like when you see low calorie, run the other damn direction. Like, because what's in there is typically something that's artificial, right? So so the whole point of this is that they knew that sugar was addictive. We've known this since the 1500s. Every major civilization whose who's ro ro rose and fall, you can track the rise and fall to civilizations that controlled sugar plantations. They were wealthy. Then their, their people ate so much sugar they literally were taken over by someone else who took over the sugar plantations. This has been happening since the 1500s. It's not new. So I want people to hear this. Your family and, and, and your kids, they've been pumped full of sugar. So when we say it's not your fault, this is very important because this leads us to something that your body eventually becomes efficient at burning what you give it. So what we find is there is a hormonal flip that people will eventually become sugar burners instead of fat burner. So that's another piece just to talk about. Right, right. That's so great. And and we are actually metabolically adaptable and we're supposed to be metabolically adaptable. And if you take away just our modern society, our modern setup of having food accessible to us throughout the year, I mean, you can buy blueberries all year long, right? And right. We, ha right. we can conserve our food for as long as we need, but actually we have the capacity to be able to default to carbohydrates or sugar as fuel when that's what's available, like in the springtime yes. or in the summertime, or when we have fruits or things that are sweet for us in our environment, present in our environment. But 
right. you look at it, they're not present all year long, right? And right. we have to actually then shift into hormonally to be able to tap into fat stores or fat as fuel. And so how do you how do you talk about or how do you share any knowledge around hormones and helping people really regulate their hormones to be able to be metabolically flexible? Yeah, love how you said that. I love your your depth of knowledge. I think your your listeners have a really big advantage of listening to you because honestly, most of us, when you go to your doctor, your medical doctor, I don't know what it's like in Canada, but how many of you go to your medical doctor and go, I'd like you to teach me to eat? That doesn't happen here. No one even, half the time, you don't even want to have the same level of health your medical doctor has. And I'm not knocking, but I'm saying right. in general. So who do you listen to? So I appreciate that people have you listen to. This this is an important question here in terms of hormones. So let's just give a basic understanding. Not we'll go into too much detail. There's there's two hormones called leptin and ghrelin, and they're very important. Leptin and ghrelin. By the way, for the men listening, if there's men listening, you have leptin and ghrelin also. <laughs> we, so everything that I'm saying applies to you. I mentioned this to you before we got in the podcast. After after 20 years of working with people, women take care of themselves first. We men we do not take care of ourselves. I'm telling you. As, as women are always at the forefront of taking care of themselves and then the men follow, okay? Right. So leptin and ghrelin are two hormones that are responsible for telling you when you're full and, and what to eat when, but also what kind of fuel you're burning. So here's what I find, Sherry, is basically in, in America, we had something called the food guide pyramid. Yes. And at the bottom of the food guide pyramid <laughs> for 30 years, this is what it said. It's disgusting. It said six to 11 servings. In other words, most of your servings of food throughout the day should be bread, cereal, rice, and pasta. Might as well dump sugar in your system. We're the same in Canada, by the okay, way, Dr. Okay. Cody. Just saying. Okay. I, know, I thought so. You. I thought so. I have a few Canadian clients that I work with because our program's virtual. We don't need to have a clinic anymore. So, so what happens is whatever you give your body over time, it becomes efficient. And that's a beautiful thing because of what you said, because of the adaptability. However, when you're – look at your kids' yogurts full of sugar. Look at your look at your bun on your hamburger full of sugar. Look at your the weight the weight loss shakes you may be drinking. Like I'm telling you, it's insane. So over time, with so much sugar being pumped in, here's what happens: your the part of your brain called the hypothalamus, the hypothalamus starts directing leptin and ghrelin, and it starts saying, "Listen, for us to survive, we've got to start using sugar." So this is one of our second secrets in the book: is what kind of burner are you? Do you burn sugar or burn fat? Now, it's easy for someone to find out. If you're a sugar burner, typically, you have energy crashes throughout the day. You need coffee to wake up. You have sleep can be poor. You have more emotional ups and downs. That's what I think is very significant. You'll appreciate hearing. It's very hard to manage emotions when you are a sugar burner. I've watched this time and time again. Very challenging. And, and this is one big other thing. It's really, it's really easy. It's easy to see. You're storing fat on your body, meaning your your hypothalamus is not recognizing fat as its primary fuel source anymore. It's recognizing sugar. It goes, listen, I'm going to store this fat because we're only getting sugar. I might as well store the fat because it's my great survival mechanism. I'm getting plenty of sugar. I'll just use that. So that's when a hormonal shift happens. And so that's one of our second secrets is we actually change. We take 40 days to actually flip someone's hormones and make sure they go back to burning fat, which by the way, pretty much every human being that's born, they're born into being a fat burner. You're not a sugar burner when you're on this planet. So that's key for people to know. 
So good. I love this conversation so much. I'm, I'm just so enjoying talking to you. I think it's one of my favorite <laughs> conversations ever, by the way. Oh, I have yeah. to tell you that. <laughs> I just needed to insert this right now. You're just this gorgeous light of information. Okay, so let's let's go into addictions now because I think this is important and not just maybe food addictions because I think the pattern in the brain looks similar regardless of what the substance is. But what is an addiction? First of all, let's define it. And why do we become addicted to something? And is there a way out that does not require, for example, us to go to a particular center or to really get a higher level of assistance? Mm. Is this something that we can actually overcome on our own? Okay, love that question. And I think we can just really drop in and, you know, a lot of times I've, sometimes I'll lighten up these subjects, but I don't think we can, we need to with, with you and your audience. So let's, I'm going to redefine this so people can think a little bit differently about this. And probably you have already done some of this, Sherry. First of all, let's make a more simple definition. An addiction is anything that fulfills your top three needs. <laughs> let's just, so it's interesting when you look at it, we can look at it different ways, but there's, there's a, there's an old human needs psychology. And I really love it. It's, it's wonderful. There's, there's six human needs. So there's things like certainty, the need for certainty, the need for uncertainty. Then you have love and connection. Okay. Then you have contribution. And you also have, you have spiritual or higher connection, but it's interesting because anything that fulfills your needs and anything that's been linked to the things that are very aligned with you, which by the way, doesn't mean it has to be good or bad. Yeah. You will be addicted to and so people don't traditionally think about addiction. People go, oh, you're, it's drugs and alcohol, but it can be certainly anything. Sugar, you can be addicted for a while. I was addicted to beautiful women. Seriously. Yeah. It was something that like I didn't realize I was so addicted to, so I couldn't see a woman for who she was. It was like all I could see was beauty because I couldn't see my own beauty. That's a really key thing, okay? Mm -hmm. so, so very important when you look at it. So when you look at that definition, how do you rewire? Okay. And I'm gonna give you an approach that I think is so different than, than that has been done before. I haven't found, I don't want to knock it, but a lot of the addiction centers, I don't think that chemicals are a good way to overcome an addiction. You're pretty much giving up one addiction for another. Now, everything does have its benefits and drawbacks. There are a lot of drugs that someone, people use to overcome other drugs, but then they become addicted to that drug. So it's important to understand, first of all, that perception, the ability to, first of all, feel and feel an emotion and also understand what perception is. Okay. So first step one, I noticed that most people, as I mentioned in the very beginning, are not okay with feeling pain. I just want to really address this. So, so when you feel into the amygdala, the amygdala of, of course, avoids pain and chase pleasure. And that's what we did as the animal brain and, and still does. But if we avoid pain, we are missing out on probably some of the most amazing learning and growth opportunities that that are there. If someone really thinks about this, if you think about your, your life, where have you gotten the most growth? Have you got the most growth because someone was uplifting and they're happy and they're really, really, or did you get most growth when you, the shit hit the fan and oh, you were man. doing, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So if you aren't okay with going through hell, mm -hmm. you're not okay with growing. Mm -hmm. So, so the, when we will avoid pain, what happens is we start becoming addicted to the release of neurotransmitters in the brain. So things like sugar and sex, there are many different drugs that will release dopamine. Okay. And so again, I love to teach people to actually sit with an emotion, especially a bad one. Mm. This have people, I have had friends of mine who are men who are cage fighters. They're mixed martial artists. They fight. Okay. And they asked me, 
hey, man, I heard you talk about this emotional thing. What are you doing? I said, man, I'm sitting with my anger for the first time. And this is what these guys tell me. They go, oh, my God, I'm not going to do that. That sounds scary. Mm-hmm. Like you'll sit in the cage and you'll fight another man and get your face beat in, but you won't sit with anger. And this is the truth. And of course, this doesn't apply to just men. This is women. But I just I love this example because we think it's tough right. to not feel. And it is not tough. It's one of the weakest things you can do. Right. Oh. <laughs> so... Me being someone who didn't feel my emotions for many, many years, you know, can, can, you know, say this out of certainty is, is letting yourself sit with pain is such a beautiful thing to sit with feeling alone is more terrifying than being, than being, you know, in front of someone with a gun to your head. I can tell you, but I can tell you on the other side of pain is a bliss that is beyond what dopamine will give you. In other words, what's in between pain and pleasure. What's truly there between pain and pleasure is so much better than than any pleasure you can ever imagine. So that'll be a little bit to get us going. <laughs> oh, so good. So good. You know, I had Dr. Cody the the pleasure of sitting down with Michael Singer. This was, I think, in I'm gonna oh, say God, 20, my favorite. Yeah, in 2020. This was right before the pandemic. My God, what perfect timing. Wow. And Amazing. so this was, I had lost my mom. June, 2019. And then I went to see him. My goodness. It was like March, like maybe two weeks before everything shut down. So one of the questions that I had asked him was, you know, I'm I'm dealing with the death of my mom. And of course, just trying to get through the grieving and all that. And one of the things, you know, he's kind of funny, right? When he talks, he's like, well, just, just get over it. (laughs) And like, he kind of does like this giggle. So one of the things that he had said to me when I asked him that was, well, just breathe into the pain. And like, that's all you need is to add breath. So we have, we have pain, we experience pain. And if we start to just notice what the body's doing is we're lifting up our shoulders. We're starting to thoracic breathe. We're, we're not even extending the whole diaphragm. We're starting to sweat. Our, our physiology is completely changing, but with that fear or with that doubt or that uncertainty or that sadness, whatever it is, or that anger that we're feeling or jealousy, whatever that is, when we learn to just breathe and breathe into it, and we can still sit with that emotion and breathe until we change the physiology of the body back to relaxing is how we remove the layers. As he says, we have this beautiful light that we all have within us coming from our heart and we can open it up and expose it. And it's through our our life experiences that we cover that and through what you had mentioned earlier about suppressing every emotion and not letting ourselves experience that do we continue to push it down but sitting in this place of breath and just learning to be okay with that negative emotion and even removing the label of it being a negative emotion it's just an emotion it just makes me feel different than when i feel excitement or joy right absolutely i i was given the michael singer's untethered soul many years ago and I'll just be honest with you, I started reading it and I said, this, is, this isn't this is for me. I don't have any of this stuff. And it wasn't until, I want to think you'll appreciate this, but it wasn't until and right, right before the pandemic in 2019, I became very ill. I spent six months in bed. I didn't walk for six months. My brain was poisoned from parasites and bacteria. Oh. I couldn't spell my name. I couldn't tell the difference between a D or a B. And you want to talk about terror. Basically. When your mind, you're in your body doesn't work and your mind doesn't work, where do you go? It's an interesting question. I hope no one really ever has to face. But because I was in this place and I use all the metaphysical stuff, all the knowledge, none of it did anything. Nothing. Nothing. And so you start praying to Buddha and Allah. And, and I wasn't religious. I prayed to anyone who would help me. Nobody answered. Well, what happened was there's a point where I went so much into terror and wanted to kill myself. And I tried multiple ways. And I finally realized killing myself was actually avoiding the pain. 
I wasn't facing pain. That's what I was doing. Life. The universe was getting me to face the thing I had avoided. I was Mr. Positive. Mm -hmm. I was Mr. Positive. You could not talk to me about anything negative. When I laid there and someone can just imagine being in bed for six months. I was always an athlete and a bodybuilder. It's, it's, it's the worst prison you can ever imagine. And just, what if I just go in to the darkness? What if I go into the death? What if I go into the thing I think I'm avoiding? And that's what I did. And I had read The Untethered Soul about eight times while I was sick, which now I was ready to listen. Do you see? Now I was ready to listen, right? Kept reading him. And I read these chapters over and over going, what is he talking about to go in? And then it just clicked. And I said, I'm just going to go in. I went into the darkness, went into death. And in that moment, tens of thousands of dollars of treatments and stuff did not do anything. But when I went into the darkness, I started finding true life. This is why the message of going into darkness, I don't know if people, when people listen with their mind of what I'm saying, the mind won't understand what's being said here. But you as a being can understand this. And if you let the dark in, what I realized was me avoiding the things that I thought were bad was avoiding the other half of God. Because God is not good, is not bad. It is all of it. It is all of it, right? So so letting, you know, I can tears as this comes through. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that message, I knew, you know, in the terror uh, of being in this moment, now it's like, oh my God, I know why I was chosen to go through this. I think someone else would have killed themselves. But I'm here to be able to tell people this, that your way to, to happiness <laughs> and beyond what's really in between the happiness and sadness is to go through the polarity. The polarity is the illusion. Happy and sad are both illusions. But the bliss in between, <laughs> there's nothing compared to that, right? So beautiful. I just have to sit in this a moment because that's that really just, oh, that got me. That landed so hard for me today. And I so thank you so much for sharing. So beautiful. Mm. What mm. bravery and what boldness and what courage and what faith and what surrender you must have to go into that darkness with absolute no, no certainty. And yeah, so I think what, once, what came out on the other side, Dr. Cody? Yeah, once, keep in mind, I was sick for a year and a half, so I was pretty stubborn. And after six months of being in bed and, and trying every metaphysical, physical technique, treatment, everything under the sun, it wasn't like I was somehow intelligent. It was actually my intelligence that was stopping me from really achieving the thing that <laughs> that was that life was trying to bring to me. But what happened was once I, the moment I actually went in the darkness, it's the weirdest thing, which everyone will experience this if you do it. And I know you have. If you sit with your pain, you actually just let it go through the waves. Just don't worry about if you're doing it right. Don't don't worry about if you did it. Just if something comes up, sit for a few moments. Just do it every day, wherever it comes up. Just don't put pressure on yourself. But eventually you start finding it's your brain is really confused. The mind gets confused and it goes, why do I feel better? I don't get it. Well, that's what happened to my brain. Why am I feeling more energized after being, can't walk and laying in bed for six months? Why can I now move my legs? I don't get it. Because all of the energies that are coming through to you that you are calling bad are trying to speak to you. If you don't feel bad energy, my God, you're, you're missing out on the beautiful voice of God. <laughs> so what happened was I started coming out of it and I could walk again. And the first walk I took, I was really slow down the sidewalk. And this is what happened. A little old lady with a walker was walking past me. And she was walking pretty freaking slow. She walked <laughs> past me. And that's when it hit me. Oh, my God. So listen to this. 
oh my God, you have become everything you've judged. I was a fast moving person who judged people who were negative. I was pretty freaking negative. You be in bed for that long and you can't, you're pretty negative. I became everything I judged, everything. And that's when I, that's why I tell people, whatever you criticize, you eventually become. So there is no good or bad. There's no one higher or lower than you. You think you have mentors? They're not your mentors. They're you. You think you have someone who you've pushed down in the pit? You, you pass by the person on the street who's a homeless person who you say, oh, he's lower than me. He's not. He is you. All of it's you. And that's why it's so important for you to not put anyone on the pedestal or put anyone in the pit because you're just doing that with yourself. <laughs> so these are the things that came through, the things that I couldn't read in a book, the things I couldn't learn a book. The Untethered Soul was so damn confusing to me until I, until I went through this project, right? So I eventually completely healed from parasites, Lyme disease, and black mold. And now I have people that call me from all over who are asking about how, how to do this and not all of them can hear because they were like me. I needed much more pain before I was going to listen, <laughs> so. Yeah. And that's the ego part of us that talks us. Well, I know it all. I tried that. That can't be. That doesn't make any sense. And so we, we, we just tap into that. We allow that to dominate our thoughts and then eventually our actions. And super interesting because just, just talking about all this stuff just brings me back to this conversation of addiction and how when we are trying to avoid this negative emotion that we've labeled as being negative and something we don't want to sit in, we tend to move towards something that is pleasurable. And all these emotions are energies as we started talking about maybe 20, 30 minutes ago at the, at the start of this conversation. And all of these energies are frequencies and they become entrapped in the body. And so what feels really good is releasing them, even though we're sitting in them and we're experiencing them. It's the only way that we can release them. And it's also, I would suggest as a powerful method to help overcome any addiction instead of using maybe some of these other conventional methods where you go to a place and for the rest of your life, you identify as this thing that you can never release. Because I think that just becomes very conflicting. So I'm, I'm going to sit in my emotions. I'm going to release my energies. I'm going to release all of these negative emotions I didn't want to sit in and work on that. But I am also an addict. So I find that there's no congruency maybe with those sort of thought processes. I'm just curious what you think around that. Yeah, I love that. Let me let me drop some of this then in this point. So the first step we talked about is actually getting to sit with pain. So, okay, that's step one, which is a pretty big step. Yeah. But step two, you're going to like this. And this is something I would have never have perceived. <laughs> Nothing is more bad than good or more good than bad. Yeah. So one of the first things that I like to have people do is to actually find... If someone, when you look at addiction, okay, typically someone is, is, is getting their needs met, right? Something is fitting their top three needs. So one of the first things I do is we will neutralize the thing. What I, here's what I mean by that is most people who are going through addiction, they really have vilified the thing. Vilified meaning it's the devil. Alcohol's the devil. The heroin's the devil. But here's the interesting piece of this. The first thing we do is we ask someone, what's the benefits of the sugar? What's yes. the benefits of the heroin? Because when you punish yourself, you make it the devil. The devil keeps talking to you, right? It keeps coming back. So when you start realizing, oh my gosh, I've been using, for example, sugar to honestly, I've been using it. What's the benefit? Well, I haven't killed my husband. That's one of the benefits. Mm. You see what I'm saying? When something comes into neutrality, remember I was talking to you about the polarity of positive and negative, and that is the particle. That's the fixed density. Whether or not you think it's good or bad, you're making it dense. So when we bring something back into neutrality and you realize that sugar is both equal and negative and positive, it is neutral. Mm. Then you have the opportunity to change it. 
So the first thing we do is we bring whatever the thing you think you're addicted to back into the neutrality. You go, wow, actually, I've used alcohol. And you know what? I probably didn't kill kill my husband. I would have killed my husband most likely. And I say it like that, but it's true, right? Sugar stopped me from this and this and this, or maybe killed myself, right? right. So you go, okay, thank you, sugar. Thank you, alcohol. Thank you, heroin, whatever it is. So we don't make it the devil, right? So it's really important we do that first. And, and there's a process that I'm going to share with you. We have, we run a, You'll appreciate this. We run a mastermind called the Quantum Life Mastermind. Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a quiz on quantumlifemastermind.com. And with every person, one of the first things we do is we actually identify what's called their priorities, highest life priorities, or their values. Mm-hmm. I found that most people have no clue what this even is, and neither did I. So there's a series of 13 questions, and, the, and the, the, there's a quiz that'll run you through it. And what happens is, when you identify what your highest life priorities are, for example, let me just tell you this. Mine, my highest life priorities, number one, highest life priority, igniting and inspiring people. That's number one. Mm. Number two, knowledge and growth and learning. Okay, that's number two. Number three, I love, I love, third, almost everything is I love actually growing a business. Now that's, mm. that's, that's, you know me. Mm. Here's the thing. If I'm using a substance and it's aligned with my, my top high threeest mm. priorities, you're not going to change it. So what we will then do is understand, first of all, your highest priorities, and we'll see how you're using that thing to fill your highest priorities. And what we do is we find a replacement pattern or habit to fulfill each one, because that's what's really needs to be replaced is you're, you don't realize this, but that that's what the, the higher sensors in the brain, along with the amygdala combined, not only are trying to survive, but they're trying to achieve the things you're here to do. So that is such a powerful thing to understand your priorities are. And by the way, it's like a thumbprint. I've not found one person has the same priorities. It's all completely yes. different. So identify that, understand the thing you're doing is not bad or good. It has equal neutrality. And then identify your highest life priorities because then you can start, I don't use the word manipulating or changing what you're doing to fulfill those highest priorities. So good. I love that. I love that so, so much. And and I actually want to ask you a couple questions, a couple more questions before we, we start to wrap it up today. And I, I feel like I actually could keep going for a couple more hours because all Me these too. conversations are so good. Yeah. Yes. Um, you, you kind of mentioned earlier a little bit, you start talking about emotional trauma and traumatic events in our life and how that impacts our overall health and even the ability to release fat. And so can you expand on that a little bit more? So for somebody who has been holding on to some emotional trauma and also finding it challenging to release weight or transform their health, what could be the reason behind that? Great question. <clears throat> I love this because this goes to the, the third secret in the book, basically. There's a, there's, a, there's a chapter in the book. It's about how to reset your hormones. But the chapter is based on a woman that I worked with many years ago. And so... The, the short of this is because the stories usually get the gist across, across to people. I had someone lost a lot of weight with her program and, but she started gaining it back, which is a problem. I'm, you know, I don't like, I don't want to be that. I would never want to be that program that you lose weight and you yo-yo diet because what's the point? Well, when she lost weight, this is what happened. I sat down, had a conversation with her and there's a, there's a person who co-authored the book with me, Donna Parker, who is a amazing, amazing addiction specialist. She, she wrote the last chapter in the book. And, and who's the one who taught me this, these processes for addiction. We sat down with this person. We found that this woman, this girl, when she was younger, she was sexually abused by a male figure in the family. Mm-hmm. There was an unconscious strategy. As we started to uncover, there was an unconscious strategy to avoid male attention by becoming unattractive. Yes. 
and gaining weight. So fat, many times, this is what's interesting. Listen, folks, your body is a loudspeaker of you. It is not the other way around. The body is never the cause. This is if people really get this, this is a big deal. Your body's a loudspeaker. So what happens is people literally put on a personality that cushions themselves from the outside. And so what she found was a little girl, she stopped getting attention from men. Now, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but this is this is what happens in the neural network in the brain. So when we started having her lose weight, we were excited, but the problem was her neural network said, oh shit, now I'm attractive to men. And she literally started getting attention from men when she lost weight, which was negative. So we ran the process that I mentioned to you prior about rewiring the brain. We found her high her top three highest life priorities. And we started we started actually connecting attention from men with their highest life priorities. Mm -hmm. Because, right, do you see how that works? So when we did this now, and she didn't know this was even happening, neither did we. Because if you lose your protective mechanism, that's not a good thing. Your brain goes, we are not gonna survive. So we had to make sure we rewired this whole concept for her. So bottom line is, Many times the fat is a cushion and, and especially the cushioning from things that have happened as a young person. But many times it doesn't have to be as a young person, it can be an adult as well. But emotions I find are, are at the root of all of us yes. and, and our inability and maybe our not, not knowing how as a kid, I don't, I was never taught how to feel emotions, but that not feeling emotion certainly seems to translate into the body. You cannot repress something, whatever you will repress will express and the first place it goes is in your body so good so good i've loved every single moment of this conversation and i'm so sad to be concluding today but is there anything else dr cody that you wanted to share that you didn't have a chance to just yet well i just say i'm going to send you love um, one of the things that i that happened when i was very sick this is there's a book called the five regrets I would have never read it because it sounds like a depressing book. It's a lady who spent 30 years in hospice with people dying. And she listened to the top five things people said before they died. And it really resonated with me because when you're in a state of almost dying like I was, you don't care about how much money you make. You don't care about how much cars you have. Came to me was I never truly shared how I felt about people. I, I made a commitment that I would tell someone I love them when I felt that. And so that's why I'm telling you, I love you. And I appreciate I you for who you are as a being. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. The feelings are so mutual and you're just, oh, you've been the best part of my day, the best part of my week. And I, you're coming back on the show, Cody. That's, that's fine. <laughs> that's for sure. We are friends <laughs> for life. That is for sure. Thank you so much. You are a beautiful being. You're just a gift to us all. And I hope you continue to do what you're doing because that's so powerful. You have a radiant light and it's so incredibly attractive and generous. And I appreciate your time today together. So many golden nuggets today. And on that note, if somebody wanted to reach out to you and to learn more about you, where could they go to do that? So uh, in regards to the weight loss program, it's called fast40weightloss.com. Or you can go on Amazon actually as of this week and find the four secrets to healthy weight loss. <laughs> That's right. And then also quantumlifemastermind.com are the three places if you want to reach out just for any, any, any reason at all. Amazing. Thank you so much again. I love this conversation. Yes. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Fall in Love with Fitness. Whether you're already on your fitness journey or just getting started, we're in this together. Just head on over to iTunes, subscribe, and leave a review, and you'll be entered into the drawing to win my six-week transformation course. 
Then go to fallinlovewithfitness.com and get your free gift from me so you get back your energy and reinvigorate your life. Join me on the next episode and remember, you are an inspiration.